Welcome to Ode to Games. My name's Logan Plant, joined today by Zach Ross. Hello, Zach. Hello. How's it going, everybody? It's going well. We're also here with Kevin Valine. Hello, Kev. How's it going, Logan? It's going great, because we got a lot to talk about this week. One of the bigger weeks in the news once again here early in 2022. Another big acquisition to talk about. New sales numbers for Nintendo Switch and a bunch of Nintendo first-party games, including how did Metroid Dread sell? in its first few months, and MLB The Show coming to some new platforms, so let's get right into it. And of course, Rumor Roundup is on the way. <laughs> Comes Looking at the forward end. to that. At yeah. this point, they just expect that. That's Always. Every week. The cherry on top is, of every new No matter how hot the rumor It's is. pretty good this week. It's not, it's not a rumor, it's real. It is real oh, okay. stuff, so I'm it's looking forward to that. It's one of these news items that... You hear so much about, but so rarely actually come on. <laughs> Yeah, we're already a month into Rumor Roundup, only 11 to go, maybe more if this thing gets pushed. Yeah, and within the first month we talked about, what, quill length? <laughs> so you know that we we talk only about only quality yeah. on, on Rumor Roundup. <laughs> okay, we're not leading with Rumor Roundup, though. We are leading with the fact that Sony and PlayStation have bought Bungie, developers of formerly Halo, now currently known for Destiny, for $3.6 billion, so a big acquisition already for Sony, just a couple weeks after Microsoft's big acquisition of Activision Blizzard. A couple things to note here with this one, Bungie's going to continue to act independently, so they'll be able to still publish to whatever platforms they want. They've confirmed that Destiny will remain multi-platform, and other products going forward will also remain on things like Xbox and PC. And it seems like a big focus of this is that PlayStation's trying to get more into live service games. They're going to use some of Bungie's technology to uh, work on their live service output. And they've also talked about how they plan to launch more than 10 live service games by 2026. We also know this was not a retaliation to the Activision Blizzard acquisition. This has been in the works for about six months. So another big acquisition. This one feels a lot different, though, than the Activision Blizzard one, Kevin. It feels more to me like uh, like Minecraft was for Xbox. Absolutely. Where you're kind of just buying that brand, and it doesn't really matter if it's on multiple platforms or not, but you have a presence on other platforms. And I feel like that's going to be something that could help Sony out. And, you know, of course, part of the money that, that Bungie gets for Destiny goes right back to the parent company. Yeah, when I first saw it, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Just like kind of like a gut reaction thing, like $3.6 billion just for destiny at this point but it, it, it makes more sense now knowing the direction that sony wants to go with their ideas about live service games quality of, of that plan notwithstanding but yeah. with how successful destiny has has turned out to be and bungie knowing the ins and outs more of an of a of a live service game and they've gone through the stumbles with that original destiny and part of destiny 2 uh i think that for sony's plan it will be quite helpful to have Bungie there to help them out with this plan to have what, 10 live service games in the next four or five years. Yeah, absolutely. You look at PlayStation's stable of games is mostly known for behind-the-shoulder, third-person, action-adventure, cinematic, story-driven. Those are some of the words that come to mind. And so I think that even if live service games aren't necessarily the type of games people like us are into, they're immensely popular, and it does make sense for Sony to try to get some of those under their own umbrella. So I think it's a smart move uh, to try and just diversify their portfolio a little bit because they have been known and to some extent criticized by some people for offering a lot of the same stuff across all their studios. Uh, so I agree that at first, 
just the idea of it being just destiny doesn't make a lot of sense to start but then knowing that they are going to kind of use this acquisition to as a launch pad into more live service territory i think it's smart overall and I think it's better than Bungie being scooped up by someone like Amazon or Google, which is always something you have to think about when you look at these big acquisitions. It's not just Xbox, Nintendo, Sony anymore. It's all these big companies that could scoop up someone like Bungie and completely change the direction of their business. So overall, yeah, I, th I think it's solid for both sides. Oh, kind no, of funny, though. Uh, you know, uh, Xbox originally bought them around yeah. 2000 when Halo first came out, and they were there for seven or eight years and then they're like no we want to go independent and then they went independent for a number of years the other funny thing is that they went to activision who then went to xbox so it's like all like weirdly yeah. connected in a way but you know it's something to think about of you know how long will it last is this going to be a a more of like a forever thing or is it going to be like uh, bungie and xbox's relationship where they're together for a while and then you know bungie wants to move on just be interesting because they've been through something like this a couple decades ago. Yeah, Zach, how about you? Anything to add on this one? Yeah, I know. It just seems weird weird timing because Bungie seems like such an Xbox brand at this point, given its history with the Halo franchise, that it does kind of seem like retaliation. But like you said, this has been in the works for some while. So definitely just coming off the heels of such a big acquisition from Microsoft, I think this is a bit of a coincidence. But they did say, I believe the president of sony said that that moving forward they will be doing more acquisitions this upcoming year so we have to keep our eye out to see what else they buy anything is is up for grabs like i i don't know what's gonna get swallowed up next but if they are focused on a more live play future i will look more to towards those kind of studios so who knows maybe like take two grand theft autos oh like gosh the last wild. 10 years I... yeah Grand Theft Auto Five has just been basically, you know, the online is all anyone's ever cared about. So yeah. that would be I hope it doesn't play. snowball that far, where yeah. it's like, oh, Take Two gets scooped up, and then mm -hmm. the game gets really scooped up. I, yeah. I don't think all of that will happen, but there could yeah. there could be another uh, a huge acquisition on the horizon. I just really, I really don't want it to be Square or Capcom. I want them to stay independent. They make totally different games for the playstation crowd versus like the switch crowd and so to see that be ripped away from switch specifically you'd miss out on a lot of cool stuff i think uh, that would kind of go away and i don't think that's in either of their best interest either square enix and capcom publish a ton of games on switch i don't think they want to stop monster hunter rise just sold ridiculously well you've got games like bravely default 2 octopath traveler triangle strategy comes out in a month that they're partnering with nintendo on for these things that also have been selling well so a company has to want to sell for these acquisitions to happen. I don't think those two want to. Those are the two big ones that I see everyone being like, oh, Sony's going to go buy Final Fantasy and own Square Enix. And it's like, I don't really think so. I don't think that's going to be I don't think Square thing. Enix would sell. I just, I don't see why they would. They're they're pretty proud and they just, they're doing their own thing right now. So I don't see it happening. And Capcom's probably pretty expensive now with Monster Hunter being as successful as it is in the it's West huge, now. So. yeah. And Destiny's big. Like this is this yeah. is a big deal. Destiny is a really widely played game still today. I think this yeah. deal uh, showed me how popular it still is. I knew a lot of people still played it. Um, yeah, yeah. The numbers that it's still pulling in with new expansion packs—it's been out for a while. I know that we joke about how uh, the original Destiny, when it came out, they're like, "We want to support this for ten years," and it's like, 
it's hard to support anything for 10 years and i don't think they're gonna do it for destiny 2 that long but destiny 2's got legs yeah it's already been five years right it was a 2017 game i believe i think so yeah yeah and destiny 2 only came out because activision forced them to make a sequel so if you really think that they've been supporting the destiny universe we're coming up on 10 years only two years away from that mark and yeah new expansions coming out this month i believe on the 25th uh and yeah, I think it's just going to keep going. And uh, another angle of this is Sony's making its huge push into transmedia franchises like movies and television shows based on its video game properties. So this could make it easier for Destiny TV shows uh, or a Destiny movie to be something that would happen. And I know that Destiny fans are super into the lore of that series. So that could be something that, that Sony ends up working on too. Yeah, and it sounds like that's something Bungie wants to do as well. Yeah. One of the big things they were talking about with the acquisition is like, yes, this will give us more ability to branch out into a actual multimedia company uh, beyond just games. So we'll see, yeah, what that means with TV shows or movies or books, I don't know. Like, they probably have a lot of options to uh, available to them. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that is the biggest news of the week. Let's move on to some other stories. Just coming in tonight as we're recording... Nintendo's announced its newest financials. We know that the Switch has sold 103 million units. It has passed the Nintendo Wii and become Nintendo's most successful console ever. It's the fastest console in history to get to the 100 million mark. So just an insane success. Nothing new there. We've, we've already known how crazy well the Switch has been doing. On the flip side, the PS5 just outsold the Wii U, which gave me a good <laughs> laugh this week. But yeah, it just keeps on selling. Just, man, unbelievable. We also got some Switch software numbers. Your top 10 are Mario Kart 8 Deluxe at a whopping 43 million units. That's crazy. Unbelievable Insane. numbers. It's almost a 50% attach rate. 43% of Switch owners have Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is just crazy. And I know it's been a pack-in game every Black Friday since the Switch has existed, but still. Helps. 43 million, it's just crazy. Every holiday season, you see it creep up to number one. Number two, Animal Crossing New Horizons at 37 million. That's even crazier than yeah, Mario Kart 8. Because that has not been a pack-in for anything, I guess, besides those special edition bundles yeah i don't remember if it was i don't don't even think the game came with that it didn't come with system yeah okay then yeah that's even crazier 37 million just for that yeah uh yeah absolutely super smash bros ultimate is number three continues to set records as the best-selling fighting game ever it's at 27 million breath of the wild is far and away the best-selling zelda game of all time at 25 million sword and shield pokemon 23 million combined super mario odyssey 23 million Super Mario Party, 17 million, which is just crazy. Uh, Pokemon Let's Go, 14. New to the top 10, just out last November, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl at 14 million units in a month and a half. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And then Ring Fit Adventure, which is, I think, the surprise no one saw coming, especially when it came out. People were like, oh, this is a weird experimental fitness thing but it struck lightning just like we fit did 13 million so those are your top 10 we also have a couple of uh totals for some new games also splatoon 2 was bumped out of the top 10 for the first time since it came out so splatoon 3 now can can swoop in there maybe yep, here's, here's if it sells time. a bunch uh the big one i was waiting for a lot of people were waiting for metroid dread sold 
almost 3 million, 2.75 million. It's only a few hundred thousand away from already being the best-selling Metroid game in the series history. So that's a big success for that series and tells me we're going to see more uh, in the future. Mario Party Superstars, 5.43 million. Super Mario 3D World, nearly 9 million. Luigi's Mansion 3 has passed 11 million, which is crazy. crazy. Crazy numbers. WarioWare, 1.2 million. Uh, did not sell super well, but over a million is still a success. It's just like compared to these other numbers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Monstrous numbers. Game Builder Garage. One million you people bought that. I it's forgot just, about that completely. Yeah. Me too. Metopia, 1.63 million. And New Pokemon Snap, 2.36 million. And Mario Golf Super Rush managed 2 million. And Skyward Sword HD, 4 million units. So those are your totals. For all of last year's games through December, and it's already been another month since then, so these numbers are already a month old. Yep, already changed again. It's just, it's just absolutely wild. I am very happy, specifically about the Metroid sales, because we didn't know how it was doing. It wasn't topping the eShop charts or the Amazon charts, uh, and to see it already practically be the best Metroid has ever done uh, is a big relief, because that game is just fantastic. Nice to see good games backed up with good numbers. Yeah, Even though numbers. number 10, not so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, 3D World getting into 9 million people's hands. It's good. We use Best Game Stranded. Uh, finally gets a second chance. And almost 10 million people go out and get it in its first year. I was really happy with that one, too. WarioWare, a little, little underwhelmed by that total. Especially because they launched it at a cheaper price point. It was $10 cheaper than full retail. And it still only pushed a million units, so they're they're probably that series might maybe take a break for a while after those numbers. But overall, it's just unbelievable to see what the Switch is doing, and it's not going to slow down anytime soon. Yeah, it is crazy to see the attach rate on some of these. Like, you know, you think back to the Wii, and it sold really well, especially for those first couple of years. But yep. beyond those, like like core couple of titles, you, know, you got Wii Fit, Wii Sports, Mario Kart, Mario Kart Wii. It really wasn't like a whole lot on there that was just like blowing, uh, blowing up the charts. Yeah. Like people would buy it for like two or three casual games and then that was it. So it's nice to see that there's kind of a wider range of titles that are selling very well uh, and very different situation than the Wii was. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it just feels different this time. Like you never know what could happen. But it just doesn't feel like you were saying the audience is going to go away for the next machine like they did from Wii to Wii U. I feel like this generation, gaming in general, is just way more mainstream than it was a decade ago, especially because of the pandemic. I think a lot more people play games now. So I, I have confidence that as long as it's not called something stupid and marketed extremely poorly, I don't think we're going to see plus. a big flop the next generation with Nintendo. I think... They've got a strong fan base. These numbers are really, really strong. It's just numbers in the tens of millions don't even surprise us anymore for their game sales. It's just crazy and, and really cool to see, especially as someone who, who trudged through the Wii U era, as you all know very well by now. Just <laughs> to see that like all of the top 10 games on Switch have outsold the Wii U itself, that's pretty that's unbelievable. Crazy, yeah. So, yeah, that's those are the numbers. Uh, I'm sure Pokemon Company is going to announce some Legends Arceus numbers soon, but it's that thing is sat at number one for the last, like, three weeks on pre-order. On the eShop, on Amazon, it's been number one. 
I've saw pictures of people lining up out GameStop, so that game is is selling extremely well too. Yeah. Speaking, Got Pokemon on the cover. Yeah, it's true. Exactly. That's all that matters. And speaking of games that are gonna sell well, I'm here to tell you that MLB the show twenty two is gonna be the best selling baseball game ever made. It's coming to Switch for the first time ever. It's also going to be on PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, and Xbox Series X and Xbox One. And the cover athlete is Shohei Otani, who's the most popular player, baseball player in the world right now. First time ever on a Nintendo platform for MLB The Show. And it's coming out on April 5th. So, yeah. Did you see the, uh, the special edition box art? I did. It's really cool. It's this anime uh, manga drawing of Shohei Otani. As if he's a superhero holding a bat in one hand, a baseball in the other. It, it looks really fantastic. Wouldn't pay $85 for a sports game, but <laughs> maybe maybe if, you know, a couple of years down the line, find a copy of that. It looks really nice. But mm-hmm. yeah, nice to see a real sports game on a Nintendo platform. Especially yeah. recently, it's just been RBI Baseball, which is literal trash. Like, Super Mega Baseball is an outstanding series. It just doesn't have real players, so it doesn't gain the yeah. traction it should because it's the most fun I've had in a baseball game since Power Pros. Like it, it feels like Power Pros and how it plays in a lot of ways. It just doesn't have the the for actual franchises to to lift it up. That's why Power Pros was was the best. Yep. It only lasted two games. Yeah, but yeah, it's 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 a big deal. It was already a super big deal when it came to Xbox last year because that. You know, it's just been it's Sony's it's so associated with PlayStation mm-hmm. uh, and to reach a whole new audience on Switch. I do wonder how it's going to run. Me too. Uh, especially that first time out, because if you're developing for PS5, you could probably swap over to Xbox pretty easily. But they have they never had to develop this for like the Wii, like 2K did. Yeah. Or the Wii U. They haven't really had to develop for a really underpowered console. So. We'll see how it translates. I could see the first year of it being kind of rough, at the very least at launch. But uh, it'll be it's it's just nice that all platforms will get to experience it, and one platform doesn't get left out in the cold with uh, crummy baseball games. Yeah, it's I'm really happy that it is MLB The Show 22 is getting a Switch version, not MLB The, oh, the Show le- Nintendo Switch version, like FIFA. The Legacy Edition or yeah, whatever, uh-huh, whatever EA does with FIFA. It has been an absolute disaster what FIFA has been doing on Nintendo Switch. It, it's just literally from one year to the next, it was the same game with an updated logo. Like identical, like even more so than usual. Updated logo and rosters, wasn't that basically just like a roster update? Yeah, so yeah, because like the menus were the exact same, everything was the exact same year over year, which is even more egregious than sports games usually are. So to see that it is on the same like advertisement promo sheet as the PlayStation version and Xbox version gives me faith that it is going to have similar content. And as for how it's going to run, they could have put it out on Switch last year. Last year they put it on Xbox for the first time. So I'm hoping they've been working on a Switch version since two versions ago when they started development um, for for the Xbox and other platforms. So I'd, I'd like to think it's had enough time, but kind of a weird thing right now. Uh, if you've been following baseball at all, like Kevin and I do very closely, it's not happening right now because there's, there's a disagreement between the players and the owners causing to a work stoppage. And that makes it so MLB isn't promoting any of its players. So that's the very short of it. 
But I was surprised we could even see who the cover athlete was, Kev, because of everything that's going on MLB right now. I don't know who they There's need to get be permission for a to special show this. circumstance that it's going to be in because I think they're going to be launching it at the normal time, like they do every, like like they did in the pandemic season. If, if you didn't watch baseball or any sports, a lot of uh, seasons got pushed yeah. back, but the the games came out at the same time, and you were playing it like a normal season. I feel like they can do it again here. There must be something where it's not necessarily MLB. I'm not exactly sure how it all works. But the but. weird thing is here, Kev, they haven't shown any gameplay or screenshots. They just announced the cover athlete. They haven't shown the game yet. And it comes out in two months. It's coming out on April 5th. So I have to think they just aren't allowed to right now. So I'm really curious to, to see what happens. If, getting a little bit into the weeds here with, with, with this lockout situation. But know. they shouldn't even be able to show Shohei Otani. I know. Because the rules bizarre. that they have is just you can't show any current players. So if if they can't do that, they shouldn't be able to show Shohei Otani. But maybe if he's a superhero on the special edition cover, it's not technically. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. They've shown him on the regular cover, too, and they had a trailer with, yeah. like, highlights from last year. It's just weird. We won't get into it too much. That's more of a baseball discussion. Um, I actually talked about it on my baseball show earlier today. So I've talked about it on movie the show twice today. But, yeah, so it's it's cool to see it coming to Switch. I'm curious to see what happens if it comes out, if it'll have all the players like it should, or if it'll need some roster update later on. But I'm sure it'll be fine. Okay. Let's hope that it launches on the same date. I feel like the last a number of higher profile Switch games that were getting launched on other platforms, their Switch versions had to get pushed back. So yep. let's yeah, hope it's set to right now. <laughs> and it's only two months away. So it'd be a pretty so tight window. Yeah. I mean, what? It was... Dying Light 2, which just came out, and the cloud yeah. version, I believe, was going to be coming out for Switch, and they announced the delay to the Switch version within, like, a month. It was, like, two weeks ago. So. Yeah. Just happened to Life is Strange Remastered 2. The, yeah. Everything so, came out on time, but the Switch version. Yeah, the timing. delayed. Yeah. They can be really close on that. So, hopefully, it launches day and date. Yeah. April 5th, if you're a Switch owner and that's all you have and you're a big baseball fan, then you should be pretty excited about this. It's It's cool to see. I just hope it runs well and it's content complete and it's not like FIFA. It's not EA, it's Sony. So I, I, I have a little more faith uh, in it to be a good product, uh, but we'll still have to wait and see. You never know with these multi-plat games on Switch like you were just saying, Kev. Here's a story that really interests this podcast specifically, and that is that It Takes Two, Game of the Year 2021, is getting an adaptation for both movie and television, neither project has a home yet. It's being written by the two of the writers of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, which this panel very much enjoys, but they're still looking for either like a, a channel or network to partner with or a streaming service and for a studio uh, for if there's a movie version. So very early on in the works, it's just started production in the most early stages but really, the takeaway here is that It Takes Two is the weakest part. It, the story the is the story. weakest part yeah, of the game. Yeah. And now it's going to get an adaptation that's purely story. I'm really interested to see how they, they run with it. Because for the most part, if they go live action, it's going to be like actors for like 10 minutes. And then they're going to have to like animate some dolls the rest of the show and that's going to be really weird so you think they would just go full animation with the thing but i yeah it's going to be weird to see how they play it 
Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. Because the two main characters were some of the most insufferable characters I've (laughs) ever watched in a game. Like, we're looking at, at other at other properties like uncharted makes a ton of sense because yeah it's basically a hollywood movie sonic is is weird until you remember that he's already had so many tv shows and comic books and so they can like do their own thing with the stories and that's a franchise so i feel like it kind of opens it up more there's a lot of Mm -hmm. a lot of different ways to go there it takes two is a singular game that has an incredibly weak story yeah most people commend it for its two player it's multiplayer that is its calling card is that you know it's uh, a multiplayer game that not a lot of other multiplayer games have that same style of just like two players playing these puzzles and things that Mm -hmm. there's not too many games that are like that. that's basically what it has the story is not good why would you be thinking that it would work well for film and tv i just don't get it yeah me neither and i i feel like it was clear even to the developers that the story was the weakest part. I don't know. I guess it was, it was up for best narrative at the Game Awards, which is, which is an aggregate still of hilarious 90 critics, uh, 90 different outlets across the world. So maybe people like the story more. But I have mostly seen that people trash the story, deservedly so, and yeah, commend the gameplay. Uh, is it going to be a straight adaptation? Is it just going to take place within that world? Like, I have no idea. It's not even like it's a world you can return to because it was just like their house. It was just like Cody and May's house. I feel like the book might be the connecting character in this multiverse. He's the worst part. He is the worst character. He is the worst character by far in that game. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know what they're doing. And I can't say I have any level of excitement for it whatsoever. We're going to have to hate watch it. (laughs) We're going to have to have a watch party. watch this thing yeah oh uh zach and i never talked about watching the second monster hunter movie we should remember that for later there's a second month wait what it was an animated netflix one 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 of the characters from monster hunter world came out last Last year year. oh is it any good it's terrible oh (laughs) it's really bad (laughs) was it worse than the live action one Mm, no it was bad in a different way uh it was more faithful to the to the world of monster hunter and the monsters were cool the animation looked like Shrek one. Like it looked so horrendous for so being a movie. It, it, that it came would have looked great in 2001. Yes. Would have looked in 2001. Yeah. And it was only 58 minutes long, which is funny. So feature length. Yeah. 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 But anyways, yeah, we watched that. It was, it was fine. It takes two. We'll probably have to watch out of curiosity. And it'll be years before we know what this actually is, since they, yeah, that's kind yeah. of the other thing. Like, this I, I hope they don't make a direct sequel. But the way that this studio has been going is they're just making these multiplayer games, but kind of have standalone games. Yeah, like if these things take, let's say, four or five years to come out, will people really either care remember a point, yeah. or b really care all that much? Yeah. You would have know. to assume that if it really goes forward um, with these film and, and TV projects, that they'd probably make a sequel. Yeah, I get trying to capitalize on something's popularity while it's hot, but by the time it comes out, right, it's not. It's not going to be hot anymore. I think that It Takes Two is one of those games where in 10 years, it'll be like a pretty good trivia question. 
what won Game of the Year at the Game Awards in 2021. Because usually you can reason it out. You're like, 2017, Zelda. 2018, God of War. By far the most talked about games in those years. But you'll be like, 2021? I, I don't know. I don't know what won. Forza Horizon 5? Yeah. No. So I think Forget. that... Uh, no. I think in three or four years, by the time we actually see what this is, It Takes Two will have been forgotten by most. And the people who remember it will be like us. more of out of spite (laughs) yeah so that's bizarre uh but moving on from that one a couple of playstation games got some big news announcements gran turismo 7 already had its state of play it's coming out early next month and then ghostwire tokyo the bethesda published game that is coming as a timed ps5 exclusive as well as pc got a release date it's coming out march 25th but the showcase event for it is the day after we're recording this so we haven't seen any of its gameplay reveal yet. But that is the horror-inspired action adventure from the developers of The Evil Within. Uh, it was announced back a long time ago. Same it's time around Deathloop. Like, Deathloop and Ghostwire were announced pretty similar times. And it was also shown off in the PS5 reveal event in June of 2020. And uh, it got another trailer last year. But it's coming out soon. March 25th. Yeah, that, March is stacked. People are like, February is so busy. February is so stacked. Like, no, it's March. It's it's secretly March that has more games coming out. What's going on in March? Because what? Feb is Horizon and yeah. Elden, Elden Ring, Ring. Would be the top two. Yeah. Fighters. Elden Ring comes out on the 25th, which is like three days away from March. But then in March, you've got Gran Turismo. You've got Kirby. You've got, now you have Ghostwire Tokyo. You have Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. And I think there's like two other things that I'm forgetting. So it's a pretty big month for AAA games in March. Oh, Triangle Strategy is another one that's coming Uh. out. So it's, yeah, if you're interested in a lot of these, that's a super busy month. Um, But yeah, I was surprised to see it coming out this soon. Just to get an announcement that something's coming out in a month and a half. But uh, Zach, do you have any interest in this game? I, honestly, yes. It has been in the back of my mind for a long time ever since it first got announced. I kind of forgot about it for a while there, and I haven't seen a whole lot about it. Like, there's been the occasional trailer here and there, but wasn't a huge fan of The Evil Within. I tried out the first one. I never played the second one. At least I believe there was a second one, if my memory is yeah, not there failing is. Uh-huh. me. There yeah, was, okay. Yeah. Um, it was okay. It was decent. It looked good. Um, and everything I've seen from this trailer, I've thought, has looked really cool. So I definitely think I'm going to try it out because, you know, everything else dropping in March, I'll probably play Tiny Tina's, maybe not right away. But, yeah, I think I think this will fit nicely into games. And since it's a PlayStation timed exclusive, I'll just pick it up on PS5, and I'm sure it'll look great. Stranger of Paradise, the Final Fantasy game. Oh, my God. Uh, is That's also also coming out in March. Babylon's Fall, that rough-looking platinum game. Oh. God, it's coming that's out still coming out? Man, uh, that was disgusting in his last showcase. Tunic, that indie, uh, that oh, Zelda-inspired yeah. indie, I'm really looking forward to is in March. And then this list says Rune Factory 5 is coming out in March. It does. Yeah, Rune Factory 5 does come out, the English version. And I skipped a lot of things that either don't interest the wider public or us on this show, but March just has so much stuff. So I almost feel like maybe they should have just released Ghostwire in April. <laughs> Like, just just give these games some room because, man, it's like we're we're like in the middle of like a fall season here in February and March. I mean, it feels like just this entire year in general has a bunch of stuff that'll yeah. be coming out, and a lot of stuff either that we know of that's coming out, or stuff where it's like, yeah, we, uh, 
we don't know when it's coming out, but you could see it getting slotted in at any one of these spots. Yeah. So it's like even if you plan for something to come out at a certain time and like avoid some of the rush, yeah, that that might not hold true when the game actually comes out. Yeah. Yeah, but we'll uh, talk more about that game next week when we when we uh, check out the gameplay reveal, which is happening the day this episode goes up. So we're just missing it. Good timing. Yep. We're great timing on all that. In a game I'm very excited for that is not coming out in March, and it's coming out who knows when, Shovel Knight developer, that's Yacht Club Games, has announced a brand new game. It's called Mina the Hollower, and it already had a Kickstarter campaign that was already exceeded its goal, so it, it's coming. And this is a top-down, 8-bit, very Game Boy Color, Link's Awakening, Zelda Oracle game art style yeah. game that also has heavy Castlevania influences in some of its combat. So... 2D dungeon exploring game looks awesome. I didn't know that people liked the way the Game Boy Color games looked. Like, I kind of watched this trailer. I'm like, why does it need to look like this? It doesn't look that good. (laughs) I really like how it looks. I guess so, yeah. But I guess it might be for me. But yeah, I guess it's really playing on that nostalgia. But yeah, I don't think it looks that great. (laughs) Yeah, it's. um, I think it's a cool shift for Yacht Club Games, who was just married to Shovel Knight for so long because they had to be because they met all of their stretch goals and spent years meeting them all with like four different campaigns and spinoffs and multiplayer modes. And they still have some Shovel Knight games in the pipeline. Uh, But this game, seeing what they're doing next, people really wanted them to tackle a Zelda-like just based on what they did with Shovel Knight. And it looks like this is it, but a little more action-oriented. I think the combat looks really neat. Uh, it, it's even though it looks like a Game Boy game, they say it's going to have 60 FPS combat. I think that the the pixels look really nice, so I'm excited about this one. Even though it's probably a long ways away, I think that it's probably going to be really good just based on the developer's pedigree. Yeah, and they have experience doing the whole like retro thing and bringing it to more modern sensibilities with uh, with Shovel Knight. So. I think it's in good hands. And if they've got a Kickstarter with, with more goals, they've shown that they meet all those goals. So uh, very yeah. easy to, to, to fund into that, knowing that you're you're going to get what uh, what everyone pays for. Kind of weird they needed a Kickstarter, because I'm sure they made a lot of money on Shovel Knight. You know, yeah, yeah, after you crowdfund your first game and it's a big success, you would think that you could just go forward from there, but crowdfunding a second game, I guess. Whatever. I mean, People I, are I guess it depends it. on... Uh, were people with the Kickstarter, were they given any of those other games or were they all, even if you funded it, you had to pay for all this. You were given it all and you're, yeah, you're given this. So maybe, maybe that kind of played into it a little bit. Like I'm sure that they made good enough sales uh, Mm -hmm. with the games itself, but that probably doesn't help things all that much when you're having to develop all of these other games and a decent chunk of the player base. Yeah. You're just going to have to, to give to uh, give them the game for free basically after the Kickstarter. But it's like a really, really early pre-order, basically, because you get the game if you kickstart it. With, yeah, and, and pre-orders, especially now, come with uh, heavy amounts of risk. Yeah. So, yeah, basically it's the same. And then I think we'll get into our rumor roundup for the week. Oh, yeah. So we've got a kind of a, not rumors, this is real, a Games Radar spoke to a Sonic Team's creative officer, Takashi Izuka, so they did an interview about Sonic Frontier, so we got some real stuff to talk about here. Uh, they didn't go into too many details, but the main thing I want to talk about with you guys is that they are trying to really change up the combat 
in Sonic Frontiers. So uh, basically they said that with Sonic Frontiers, we're challenging ourselves to deliver an all-new style of Sonic action-adventure. We're once again expanding the Sonic universe, bringing in new environments and additional features to create a totally new type of open zone experience. So we haven't seen much of this world yet, uh, but they also said that they're focused on bringing Sonic to the next level and ensuring that he's fully represented as the character fans know and love while still making his new form exciting. And they're trying to make his signature speed and characteristics remain consistent across every gaming iteration. With Sonic Frontiers, we'll introduce new combat styles to bring Sonic's signature dexterity onto the battlefield, and new exploration options obviously play into his iconic speedy nature. So, trying to bring some speed into his combat, I want to ask you guys, what do you hope or what do you think some of this combat could end up looking like in Sonic Frontiers? Man, I don't know. Like, I'm thinking back to all the different combat iterations of Sonic, where it's just like the simple, like, oh, jump ball. on the enemy's head, <laughs> to the to the homing attack, to Black Knight's sword, yeah. to more hand-to-hand -hand combat that Sonic Boom had. And the best that any of those have gotten, to me at least, is just like, they're there, and they're enjoyable, but they're not deep in any way. You're just kind of doing it and with the homing attack i think it's it's the best iteration where it's just like it doesn't get in the way too much of the speed but you're just kind of going along i don't i guess they could you don't want something like the werehog <laughs> no you don't want something like no. the werehog either yeah. i don't know i don't know what i want i don't in either. terms of i'm trying to think of how they would bring in the speed element to that yeah like and, like would it would it be a thing of uh, of more like real time combat where you're using speed to like dodge attacks and I thought about like, that but then I was like I was just worried that's going to get really buggy, really glitchy fast and you're just going to get hit by things you don't think you should be hit by. I don't know. I I worry about that. Something I was thinking about a little bit is something that Returnal does super well and super cool is just this kind of bullet hell style in a 3D environment. And Celine can jump and dash that kind of is like a homing attack. And she can sprint. And so I was thinking something like that could work if it is about avoiding obstacles and making your way to an enemy almost to take them out. But I just worry that knowing the history of Sonic Team Combat, it could be really bad if they try to do something similar. So I don't I mean, know. That, just in general, if they do something with combat, the odds are it's not going to be very good. Whether they introduce the gun with Shadow or yeah. the Werehog with Unleashed or Boom's really boring combo combat. Yeah. Like, none of none of the combat systems have really worked all that well. Um, but yeah, I could... I guess now that you mention it, Nier Automata has something like that as well, where it's kind of like speed and dodging um, enemies' attacks with all of these like bullets and trying to get close to do your damage. I could see them doing that. Yeah. And that, that could incorporate the speed more. But, I mean, again, if you're talking about how you're worried that it's going to get really buggy, I think that no matter what they do with the combat, <laughs> there's going to be an inherent risk that it's just not going to work very well. <laughs> yeah. Both conceptually and in how the gameplay actually works. I want to have faith. I mean, the the things that we're hearing here are the things that we heard after Skyward Sword, before Breath of the Wild, when they're like, we're changing everything. 
but it's still going to feel like Zelda. That's what they're saying here. It worked out very well for Nintendo, who I trust, who I trust significantly more. But just hearing this, I just worry it's going to be a mess in a different form factor. But I hope I'm wrong. I hope there's some new cool combat style that we're not thinking of that could be really cool. I don't want it to be QTE based. I don't want like five button prompts to pop up on the screen. It's like, oh, you got to hit him fast. So it's it's fast like Sonic. Yeah. I could see them doing that. Yeah, I just, I don't know how a character like Sonic where it's about momentum and speed and keeping you going from one thing to the next should really have combat. It's never been a highlight of any good part of a Sonic game. It's never been combat. There's some good boss battles, sure, but usually the good boss battles are like when you're on endless runways, so you're still running fast. So I, I just don't see combat as one of those core pillars of Sonic. How about you, Zach? Anything you can think of about, from a combat standpoint, that they could do in, in Sonic Frontiers? My mind just went to some of the like the most recent combat I've done, which was Spider-Man Miles Morales. So I'm, I'm picturing Sonic. Gotta have like QTE quick dodge. Uh, so if an uh, enemy swings at you, you gotta press triangle to like flip out of there. And then you can zip around with your ball form like the, the spider web. And then you can just, it's, it's it's easy to incorporate. So just make it that combat. It's going to be great. Spider-Man combat. Exact same combat. Spider-Man combat. That's not a bad inspiration, actually. I hadn't thought of Spider-Man. Could work. Yeah. It's just how they it implement it. weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but just these quotes that I read you guys seems like an ambitious project. Just seems really ambitious. It's nice to hear... Uh, from Sonic Team themselves, just a little bit. Really no details, uh, no new concrete things, but just a little bit. And, mostly rumors. Yeah, mostly rumors. We need those. Mm-hmm. But that's this <laughs> week's rumors. rumor roundups, bringing Sonic's signature dexterity onto the battlefield in Sonic Frontiers. Very excited, All right. specifically for his dexterity. Me too. That's what it's I remember Sonic for. I'm more excited for the quill length. <laughs> Yeah, did they talk about that? I thought I thought they yeah. said that it was gonna be he was gonna be uniform throughout all of his forms, <laughs> but they're not addressing the quill length. How do you do that? Yeah, it's not uniform. <laughs> yeah, Zach. All right, that's gonna do it for this week's rumor roundup. We'll be moving on to what we've been playing this week. I know for me it hasn't been a whole lot, but there has been a few things. So we'll start with Kevin. Anything? Anything new on your end? Beat a couple games. Nice. Mafia Two is done. That game is a glitchy ending, yeah. No, the ending the ending worked. I don't think I really liked the ending. Uh, it was very open-ended, and from what I've heard, Mafia 3 does a very poor job of tying up some of those loose ends nice. that Mafia 2 had, so that's great. Uh, the, last, the last mission worked, sans, you know, really archaic checkpoints. Um, also nice. Yeah. Yeah, and some of the things that they should have updated for that. Again, beyond, like, the game not working as intended with glitches there was another time i forgot to mention last week i I parked my car went into a building and then i turned the game off i was like all right i'll come back to this came back and then i went out to the car and the car's door had gotten ripped off somehow and there was just like some weird like glitchy looking window piece on the side of the car Mm. so that was (laughs) interesting but yeah there was just things that they needed to to streamline specifically the saving system the fact that you can't save at any point and you only, you have to wait until certain times when when the game saves like after certain cutscenes at the end of a chapter especially with how many crashes the game has is ridiculous mm-hmm. and yeah the checkpoints can get 
really annoying where it's just the start of one combat encounter all the way to like a, a boss fight of the area. You have to go all the way back to the very beginning of that combat section and do it again. Um, yeah, beyond the glitches, there was a bunch of stuff that needs to get reworked. The story, I think, is still very good, and I like the characters and the performances are very good. But and and the world is nice when it's not glitching out. But the thing, the glue that's holding it together is not really there. So would not recommend it. Also, tried a bit of the DLC, not very good. Oh, There's three different DLC packs. The problem is, Mafia's best strength is its story. The gameplay is either passable or not that great most of the time. And there's really no story here. Like, you go do missions, and it is literally just a static image with some text of, like, hey, go do this yeah. job. And then you go do this job. And I was, like, looking uh, – I was looking it up online. I was, like, should I play any of these? And people were, like, no, you shouldn't. They're all just, like, <laughs> very throwaway. The story doesn't really matter at all. And it gets brutally hard. I'm, like, all right, cool. Dang. So I'll avoid that. But that's done. Beat the main campaign, which is nice. Beat Overcooked 2 as well. Uh just hung out with some friends and played that through. Never that game hadn't beaten it I before. Love that game. Um, so yeah, the, the last level was really fun where it kind of throws everything at you with like all the things you've cooked over a longer period of time yeah. uh, over the 15 minute stretch. Um, yeah, that game was fun. One of my go-to party games to play with people, uh, play more captain toe treasure tracker. It's a nice game to pop in for a couple of levels here and there, uh, before playing something else. And then I started tomb Raider. The oh, yeah. nice. uh, 2013 reboot. I'm having a lot of fun. It remind, of course, it reminds me a lot of Uncharted, but with its own kind of style. I think with its more open areas and uh, crafting and leveling up system, which you know is good and bad. I think it depends on what style of game you like to play. I think Uncharted works really well as it's a very story-driven linear game, and I think Tomb Raider uh, does well with its own thing of having these optional tombs that you can go to and exploring these more open areas with uh, chances to upgrade things and, and, and upgrade skills. I think that I don't think I want that in uncharted, but I think that tomb Raider does it well enough that, that I enjoy it, uh, mm. having it there. And yeah, it just reminds me a lot, uh, of uncharted. Nah, you know, I don't think the story is going to be as good and the characters aren't as likable. Um, uh, but I'm trying I'm to remember the lot. name of the character that I really love. Oh, what was his name? Jonah? think was his name Jonah. he's a really cool guy i think he's one of her her group vaguely but, remember the name but yeah, i only you probably, a couple there's hours a lot in, of them so the they haven't had much though. time to they Why get split up very early yeah, on do. so i don't remember a lot of the characters you so use the bow a lot that was my favorite part about it. i do yeah the, yeah the bow combat is really fun doing a, a like sneak sneak attacks with uh with the bow is a good time um but yeah, it's fun, and I haven't played an Uncharted game in quite some time since Lost Legacy came out, I think, since me and Zach played Lost Legacy when that came out. So it's nice to have an Uncharted-like game with its own styles that makes it at least somewhat different so it kind of stands on its own. But yeah, it's well, fun. I'm enjoying it. Speaking of Uncharted, one of the only things I played this week was Uncharted 4. The PS5 Legacy of Thieves collection is dropped shortly after last show. Um paid for the ten dollar upgrade to get the movie um, ticket no i think it's only if you buy the full version really I think so yes. we both bought Before the upgrade i, I didn't it. see any email about it or anything too bad man it sounded like you could buy it however but you know weird. Right. 
It's, it's fine. I'll just get a movie ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not seeing the movie now. But it was nice because you had to have the, the physical version, so you couldn't use the PS Plus version to download the upgrade. You actually have to physically own it um, in order to use the $10 upgrade option. So I installed it on my PS5. I didn't have to install Lost Legacy. I just had to install Uncharted 4. Um, so I, uh, the $10 upgrade... You only need one of them, but the $10 upgrade gets you both of them. So if for some reason you That's don't own Lost Legacy, but you only own Uncharted 4, and you do the $10 upgrade, you'll get Lost Legacy for free, which is really So nice. in that instance, yeah, if you've got cool. the disc, you put in the Uncharted 4 disc to play your copy of Lost Legacy. <laughs> yes. It's really weird. Yep. Yeah. Because at, at that point, I also had like the PS4 version of Uncharted 4 installed along with the PS5 versions of Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy. So I wasn't sure if I could delete my PS4 version because I was using the disc. So I, I didn't know if every time I put in the disc, it would just try and download the PS4 version. So I just like had 150 gigabytes of, like, t of space Uncharted. taken up by Uncharted, which is fine. <laughs> I've deleted them now. Um, yes, but I did play all of Uncharted 4. Uh, it didn't take me very long because I've played that game half a dozen times, I think, at this point. Um, no, I've talked about it to no end on this show. I think everyone knows sense. that it's my. <laughs> everyone knows that it's my favorite game of all time. Great and time to be an Uncharted fan. That, um, That's actually trophies... true. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> yeah, we're getting a movie. Yeah. The, the trophies the have reset, so I don't have the crushing trophy. Oh, on you got to do it again. Version. Back to the beach got to the beach and i had like ptsd and i got really scared but then i like easily got through what what like, is okay, the line what do they say i when gotta get like down to the beach into the boat got mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> i heard that about 400 times in that yeah. one day every every time i got to a level that i was even remotely stuck on i just had a little bit of like a heart <laughs> skip <laughs> but it was okay i made it through um and how it was it on really ps5 well. yeah right. i played it on performance mode focused on the 60 fps it ran really smoothly uh it looked really good but that game has always looked really good i didn't think it was a crazy huge improvement um but it's definitely worth a ten dollar upgrade to get that that better frame rate so definitely worth picking up if you have the ps4 copy i didn't uh try out lost legacy i don't know if i'm going to i played that one more recently i think than uncharted 4 um, but I might just try it out to see how it looks. Still a really good game, but overall, much more obtainable fun. platinum with no multiplayer trophies. Exactly. Well, you got Speaking your crushing multiplayer again. trophies. Tomb Raider also has them. And screw multiplayer <laughs> trophies. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't know completely. why. It's so stupid. The Last of Us One had them. I I, I think it's that era, Tomb yep. Raider, like it that, is. like twenty eleven. Really don't 20... trade your game into GameStop. Well, keep it forever. Even from. I guess from the start of that generation of 360 with the achievements where they're just like, we can do whatever, and then just did online. I feel like around like 2013 and 2014, thankfully, yeah. most of the time those online trophies and achievements died. And they are really annoying. Ghost of Tsushima has them, but you don't need them for the platinum. It's like they're there. No, it's a separate thing. But yeah, it's separate for Legends. So if you just like do all the single player stuff, now. you get the plat, which is cool. Yeah. I'm not going to be going for the platinum for painfully obvious reasons i will not be playing that game on crushing ever again <laughs> yeah i don't think i could even if i tried <laughs> i think I, I think i gave it everything i got and it took a lot out of me yeah so uh but other than that uh, i played with logan a little bit of gears of war 2 we haven't played a whole lot of it but we did sit down and play it 
for an hour or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a little worried because we played the first one, the the remake. Was it a gr- from the ground up remake? It was, was a it remake, remake, yeah. It was yeah. a remake of first one. I was expecting the quality to drop significantly. It really didn't. It <laughs> like runs was better. It so, runs. Be- it doesn't yeah. look as good, but it looks fine and it runs better. Yeah, which is kind of weird. It's more important, I think. Oh, for sure, because we were playing the smaller. Xbox One remake of the first one on Series S, and now we're playing just the 360 version of two on Series S with the FPS boost that it just does. Uh, it's one of the supported backwards compatible games, and it looks to me, I think it's much. It's a much more pleasing experience to play, because that first one. Had an unlocked frame rate and boy did it chug at times. It, it just chugged to no end in certain sequences. And this one is pretty steady. Uh, so yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean mechanically, it's almost exactly the same with yep. the crouching to have to jump over ledges and the reload system, which we liked. Um, the biggest difference I've noticed is that ammo boxes are significantly less generous with the yes. ammo, which kind of sucks. <laughs> other than that yeah we haven't gotten super far into it but i've already liked the areas that we've been to into more than i liked for a lot of one so i'm enjoying it more so far and apparently two is a lot of people's favorite so more excited for that reason as well did it skip the opening cutscene this time it did not (laughs) we saw it it did have we did have a weird glitch though there is that we're on this tank at one point that you can walk around on top of and there was a turret in the top left corner and the turret kept glitching like 10 feet to the right for me. So it was like hanging over nothing and I couldn't even get up to the turret. And Zach's like, the turret is in the exact place it's supposed to be. And so he would walk up the ramp to where it was sitting and he would hit X to man the turret. And then his character model would glitch 10 feet across (laughs) the screen and be manning the turret. And I took some (laughs) screenshots. It was funny. And the other really weird thing we ran into was this launches practically into an Xbox 360 emulator. So you are on Xbox 360 Xbox Live, in which Zach and I were not friends. So I we never were, had it. We were trying to invite each other, and we couldn't see each other. So you have to like hit oh. start and select at the same time to open up the Xbox 360 dashboard menu, and then navigate to friends. And then, Kev, you, you remember what that dashboard used to look like? Like the the green and gray keyboard, you type in... Oh, yeah. I was friends with Zach again on Xbox 360, and then we could invite each other. Wow. So that's a really weird backwards thing you have to do uh, to play with friends on, on 360. So is that compatible with, with, like, 360? Like, actual 360? I think so. Yeah, probably. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think so, about like, that. someone plays this on 360, and someone could play it on Series X. Seems like it. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. They'd be 360 friends. That's crazy. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. I mean, that, that in a way, shows how dedicated they are to backwards compatibility. Yeah, there was just no explanation. I had to do some digging online yeah, to, to figure out how to like weird. hit the two <laughs> buttons at the same time to open up that old uh, square menu in the middle of the screen to navigate to my friends to add Zach. And Zach has a... Uh, nostalgia, though. Zach has a pound sign or a hashtag in his name, but that didn't exist in 360 oh. names. So I was like, oh no, how do I add you? And it's smart. It just removed it from his 360 oh. profile. It's just not there. That's nice. Yeah. Okay. Pretty smart, but really weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little yeah. weird. 
It's good that it worked in the end, though. Yep. But that's pretty much everything that I played for the most part. Some smaller stuff. I, I, I'm still working my way through Case 3 of Miles Edgeworth, but I'm more, much more ground on that. I, I haven't hit my stride yet. I was talking to Logan about this earlier, is that I play, like, the first two cases, then I just slow down tremendously and, like, trudge through the third case, and then I, like, finish the case four and five in, like, a day. So, once I hit my stride, I'll finish that It'll game. It'll just be done in a day. Exactly. Basically. So. That's about it for me, Logan. Anything else on your end other than Gears of War 2? Yes, God of War 2018. I've made my way further into it i just got to the part where the giant is dead on the ground and you like are moving around his body to like get under the ice for a game that's four (laughs) years old (laughs) but it's it's a really cool area Uh, i really i really like how that game deals with scale like some of the things you encounter are just huge like the world serpent is huge and it looks huge and this giant is enormous and it really conveys that uh, in a really cool way so I like that, and I'm starting to unlock more on the skill tree and getting more cool moves that are making the combat a lot easier for me because I kind of struggle with that combat a little bit sometimes. I don't think it's that great a lot of the time, but with some of the stuff I'm unlocking, I think it's a lot better now. So yeah, I'm liking it. Combat's so nice. good. It's fine. Axe. Okay. <laughs> the other weapons. I actually like... I've been going barehanded more. I've been juicing up all my barehanded skills because I love the shield parry. It's yeah. super cool. Mm. Yeah. I also really like that as you level up Atreus, he like starts to like uh, participate in the melee combat more. Like when you're ripping an enemy apart, he'll leap off Kratos' back and shoot an arrow from the air, and it looks really cool. So, yeah, the combat's getting a lot better as I'm going on. I have found my favorite parts of this game are the parts all after where I quit last time. Like, man, I quit right before it got pretty good. I still don't love it. I'm still not in love with it. I know... Uh, like Kevin, you really you liked it, but yeah, it was one of those I games you it. go back to a lot. I think that's where I'm at with it, but it's vindicating to finally uh, go back and, and and get through this thing. Considering that you were the one of the three of us that was the driving force and yep. people picking exactly. it up back in the day. Yep, almost four well, years ago. All the games back in the day. Hey, some work, some don't. Uh, I'm also uh, still <laughs> working my way through Skyward Sword, which I had a lot to say about this week or last week. Uh, this week. Not much has changed. I have found that the grind I complained about last week about getting to the fourth dungeon was by far the worst defender of that entire game so far. Uh, getting into the fifth isn't nearly as bad. It's actually kind of fun. You're sailing around this like ocean of sand that's that's really beautiful. And then getting into the sixth wasn't too bad either. There is an escort mission that's a little obnoxious, um, but it doesn't take too long. Um, so I just beat the imprisoned for the second time of three times. And now I'm going to do some more padding stuff. So we'll see how I feel about Fine. that stuff that's drawn out. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm still just really happy I'm playing it. One thing that is fun to see is just how many things were born here that would go on to be fully realized in Breath of the Wild. Things like the sailcloth, um, where in this game you just tap a button to whip it out when you're falling from a great height so you don't get hurt. And that's it. You can't even steer it. You just hit it and then you just fall straight down and that's it. Uh, and then what it would turn into is totally different in, in Breath of the Wild. Or the stamina system, which makes its debut here and is largely useless. Uh, that goes on to be a core foundation of traversal in Breath of the Wild with its climbing. Uh, and there's other things too, like equipment management, 
upgrades, shield durability. There's all these little baby ideas that are really hit or miss in this game um, that they experimented with here and then totally refined for the next one. So that's really interesting to go back and see just how many ideas are were first seen here um, that are not very good here. But it's fascinating. <laughs> Gotta work out the kinks sometime. Yeah. That's what Skyward Sword is first all around. about. <laughs> yeah, it's yep. it's still a really messy game, but I'm growing more attached to it uh, than I used to be for sure. I, there's a lot I really love about it. Uh, and that that is part of it, just seeing these things that that would go on to be much greater five years later. It, it's pretty cool. And it's the same director. Uh, this was his first Zelda game that he directed. He would go on to direct Breath of the Wild, and he's directing Breath of the Wild too. So to see kind of some missteps in the first one that were improved upon, I think that's pretty cool, even if it makes for some aggravating moments, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Making the first experience not always very enjoyable. Yep. Yeah, but that's it for me. Skyward Sword, lots of it. I'm 30 hours in. I'm I'm Jeez. really close to 100%ing it. I have four more heart pieces to go, and the Hylian Shield, and then I'll be at 100%. Wow. So, yeah, I'm almost done. You got to do the, what, the tournament thing? Yeah, the, the boss rush. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That you don't get to keep the prizes from on <laughs> previous rounds? Yeah, I so will. So stupid. Uh, I will flip on a podcast and yeah. grind it out when I get there. But yeah, I even got all the goddess cubes. There's like two left that are in areas I don't have access to yet, but I have every other goddess cube. And I have to do a few of the side quests for the villagers uh, that I also haven't unlocked yet. But yeah, I, that's why I'm already 30, 30 hours in is I've just been doing this stuff as I go. Um, so I don't have to do this big, long um, side quest session at the end. It's also been breaking up some of the monotony of returning to these areas over and over. Like I'll take a break today and just do stuff around town and not go back to the forest for like the sixth <laughs> time yet. Well, yeah. the the town is, is nice and I love it's the cool. villagers a lot. So the gratitude crystal quests are actually pretty fun to go through. Yeah, I agree, and I've been trying to not use a guide at all, just been figuring it out, and some of it's coming back to me, I'm like, man, I did this like a decade ago, and it's somewhere in my brain, which is just wild, um, and some of it I've just been figuring it out. But it's good. I still would not recommend it if you're not super into Zelda, but if you like a lot of Zelda games, you should try this one on, on Switch, because it's a good time. Definitely play it on Switch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Specifically. Yes. yes specifically on switch yeah all right do we want to get to the o2 for this week do it talking franchises this week for a particular reason uh (laughs) it is kind of surprising i mean we've done rankings of uh top 10 games and and i hear a lot of stuff you've already probably gotten close to this but for whatever reason we haven't done specifically favorite franchises yet so each of us picked five franchises some of these, you know, it's not specifically the games. It's the franchise itself that... Uh, some multimedia franchises. You know, <laughs> some of them are. It uh, takes but two. it may not be the games that hold it nope. up, just the franchise as a whole. So Sonic movie holding we'll up the entire that. Sonic franchise. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just Sonic X. That's, that's the only thing that holds it up. Uh, so we've got five games. Uh, we'll each go through five, four, three, two, one as, as we go. Each of us five and then moving down the list. I'm going to throw it to Logan first. What is your fifth be- uh, favorite franchise of all time? Honorable mention to uh, both Naughty Dog series I love, neither of which neither of which made this list. The Last of Us and Uncharted both did not make it. Uh, because at my number five, I picked Mario Kart. All right. I was leaning 
Super Mario here, maybe, which also isn't in the top five. Um, but Mario Kart is just something that will always bring me back. Uh, when I was on the fence about getting the 3DS, I saw Mario Kart, and I'm like, yeah, I should get that. Or even a Wii U, it was that combined with Smash. It was like, I, I can't miss out on the new Mario Kart. And you hear me for years on this show begging for a new Mario Kart. See, I've just poured so many hours across the entire franchise, which was something kind of important to me, putting this list together, thinking about series that I... I like all of it. I don't just like a couple games of it and, and the rest I ignore. I like everything. And with the exception of, like, the 2D Mario Karts, I like every one from Double Dash to the present. I've sunk dozens of hours into every one, family, friends on my own. Um, so, yeah, Mario Kart's my five, which I, I didn't really realize until I was putting this together how much I really do, do love Mario Kart. I have not Kart. played a Mario Kart in a very long time. It has been a while. I used to play it a lot back in the... Wii U era, era of Mario Kart 8. I don't know if I've ever even played it on Switch. I think it was nice to go back we to, once. to Double Dash recently. I, I would be surprised fun. if we hadn't once. Yeah. But yeah. Double Dash, Kev? Yeah. Well, because I picked up a Japanese GameCube a while back and picked up a oh, copy of Double right. Dash because I wanted to play with some friends. And I hadn't, I hadn't played it in at least a good five or six years, I think. And even then, that was kind of sporadic from its heyday when the GameCube was actually, you know, the current console. Yeah. Um, so many memories of, of Double Dash. Mario Kart would probably be pretty high on, on my list as well. Did not crack the top five for me. Double Dash is great. I played it over a Christmas break a lot with my sister. and 16 tracks, 16 good ones. Like, there's not a bad track in that game. Great. Yeah. It's a great game. Zach, your number five? My number five, I believe. Let me double check. Yes, I gave my number five slot. I don't have any honorable mentions, but... There's a lot of franchises that I like. I just won't talk about them. I gave my number five to Tekken, which is a franchise I have talked about on this show before. I've been playing Tekken since I had a PS1 as a little child. Um, I think I started with Tekken 3 and then every subsequent game since then. And then much later down the line went back to Tekken's 1 and 2, which were pretty rough. They didn't play very well. I think Tekken 3 is where the series really hit its stride and it's one of the best fighting games of all time. Um, and also that's where my main character started. So going back, I didn't have my main character. And if anyone knows how I play fighting games, I just attach to one character and only know how to play that one character. Um, except for Smash Bros, because we do that thing where we just randomize. So now I know how to play every Smash Bros character, which is a little weird. But yeah, uh, I, I've... So going on many years, I have loved this franchise. And it it is, in fact, a multimedia franchise because I have seen three <laughs> of the four movies. Nice. Wow, there's four <laughs> movies? There are four movies. There are zero good movies. I like the animated... So there's a 3D animated movie, a 2D animated movie, and two two live-action movies. Hell no. I have seen... I've not seen the sequel to the live-action movie because I wouldn't even call it a Tekken movie because they just take one character and they do their own thing. And, uh, I heard it was one of the worst movies to ever exist, so I didn't bother watching it. <laughs> cool. Um, but yeah. Multimedia was, franchise. Exactly. And got my Tekken statue up there from Tekken 7, uh, which has been a pretty great fighting game. It's been supported for many years. I think it came out in 2017, so it's been supported going on five years. I think it wrapped up with Season 4 of DLC, so it's been a fun ride and included many characters whom I love in the DLC. So, yeah, this franchise is nice and alive and very, very popular in the competitive scene. So it's good to see that it still holds a lot of ground in the fighting game community. 
All right, as for me, my number five, speaking of alive, this series is very much <laughs> not alive. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, as I was looking at it, it dawned on me how long it's been since the most recent game. It's been about 15 years since this series has had a release. I put Viva Pinata on here. There, It's nice. a multimedia franchise, too. It's got four games and the a TV show. Why is that the theme this week? It really should be. It's because Bungie. Yeah. Bungie's talking about multimedia. Um, but Viva Pinata was uh, it takes a two. big part of my later childhood, later elementary school, and into junior high school. Uh, I actually watched the TV show when it was on kids wb on like saturdays i would watch the show uh before i had a 360 i'd go over to a friend's house and play viva pinata and then when i got my 360 viva pinata trouble in paradise was one of my first games that i got it was the one that and halo were the two reasons that i got a 360 um but yeah just a bunch of memories playing that game both alone and uh, with my friend and you know, like as a kid trying to figure out how things worked when we didn't realize that there was a limit on how many pinatas you could have. And we're like, <laughs> we got to keep on getting rid of them. Like, why? This doesn't make any sense. But the the mystery of, of the new pinatas that would show up and how we would have to get them and figuring these things out before we would go and search that up online. A lot of it back then in like 2006 was actually figuring out how to get them, which was always a lot of fun. And it's just a very relaxing experience. You know, it's not super in your face it kind of sticks to the side a little bit but it's always a very comfortable game to play and i hope that they're that they'll revisit it at some point it was also kind of weird to look back and see how how short that period was where viva pinata was a thing between the first game and the most recent one which i believe was the ds one it was two years and then Whoa. there weren't any games after that for two, 15 years. Four games in two four years? Four games in two years. So That's there was wild. Yeah, the two mainline games, the party game, and then the DS game and the TV show. So it was big for a couple of years, yeah, and then it just kind gone. of fell off the planet. Yeah. Um, but I hope that one day Rare or somebody else, uh, some other studio at Microsoft, uh, comes back and takes another swing at it because I feel like there's a lot more that they could do with that. I feel like that type of game has gotten a lot more popular recently. Like... I know that they're not the same game, but Stardew Valley and Animal Crossing, I look at how big those have been for yeah. that genre of game, and I feel like Viva Pinata could really parlay that into a big new entry, but I have to wait and see. Cool. Number four, Logan? My number four, uh, it, it itself is not a multimedia franchise, but it contains list. many multimedia franchise representatives. It's Smash Brothers. Uh, it's so it's my favorite game of all time smash ultimate but as a franchise basically the new one always kind of replaces the old like you don't really go back like mario karts i still go back and play the old ones but smash i really rarely go back to try the other ones uh now that ultimate is here but yeah i mean smash is the first game i remember buying with my own money melee i've told this story before but sitting in the target parking lot my mom on the phone with my dad being like is T14 okay for Logan to buy? Because I was like four years old at the time. It's like, can he get a game-rated T? And then Brawl. I ran down the Target hallway in my in my pajamas to pick up my copy of Brawl. Smash 4 Ultimate. I mean, Ultimate Zack was there for the big release. Probably the most hyped you've ever seen me. Just unbelievable hype. And then the sheer hours I, sent, I, I sink into this series is, is unreal. And I don't know what the future holds for it. I'm sure it's not dead. Uh, but I also think it's going to undergo some sort of transformation. And 
I'm curious to see what that is, and because I know the games that already out will always exist. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a big one for sure. Fourth favorite franchise, uh, only topped by the big three, the big three of my life, which we'll talk about in a bit. I hope he gets a movie. Yeah, a Smash movie. Yeah, that would be a mess trying to get all those characters. Well, they're just starting the Detective Nintendo Pikachu, Cinematic Universe, Sonic, Mario. Chris Pratt, Mario. Yeah, Chris Donkey Pratt, Kong. Mario, Sonic. It's like they're Pikachu. Avengers. Yeah. It's the uh-huh. Smash Bros. Yeah. Anyone else in there? Oh, you said there's uh, tech and movies. Cloud from uh, Advent, Advent Children. Children yeah. Whatever. Oh, yep. <laughs> uh-huh. Wow. Azia what a crossover from for the ages. Ozzy was the main character of the really bad live action movie. Oh, let's go. There's <laughs> let's that go. nasty. Uh, he's a really bad guy in that. Pac-Man cartoon that Zach and I watched, yeah, we watched like that. two minutes of. <laughs> it's horrible. Okay. So get him in there. Lots of options. The Zelda ah. TV show from way back oh, in the yeah. day. Excuse me, princess. There's lots. <laughs> sure. Live action characters, some animated characters. <laughs> It'll be great. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, Zach, you're four. All right. My number four favorite multimedia franchise is Dishonored, which is, in fact, I've got this book right here that proves it. Um, it's a multimedia <laughs> oh, franchise. Oh my gosh. Uh, this was in Reach, um, and I didn't even realize. Halo was Reach? I was, it, I was yes, thinking it was too. within Halo Reach. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Dishonored ha- has three mainline games, a good amount of DLC, and a series of books which I have not read for the most part. I'm part way through that book I just showed you. Is it any good? Um, the book or the series? <laughs> the uh, the book. The book. Yeah, it's okay. Um, I haven't gotten super into it, but I want to read the book following this one, so I figured I should read this one as well. Um, the, the Dishonored franchise is, uh, one of the franchises where I care about the lore the most. I think the lore is super interesting in this. It, it's got a lot of information that you can find throughout the game, mostly pushed out through notes and conversations and stuff like that. So it's very deep and very detailed. And these games are so fun to play through because every time you do, you discover something new and there's always these routes you can take. And it's, you know, a lot of fun figuring out the best stealth routes, the best, murder routes it's just it gives you a lot of choice and the story is fantastic and the characters are so cool and i love the aesthetic and it really seems like they're building it out with some some hints in death loop nudge nudge hint hint so that that's going to be pretty exciting i love the way that arcane leon is taking this um so i'm definitely excited to see where the future of this multimedia franchise goes (laughs) okay (laughs) the future is on xbox yeah, exactly. Well, wherever it goes, it's going to be on Xbox. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Kev? All right. My number four, uh, as I was talking about before, it doesn't always have to, to do with the games, more so the franchise itself. Sonic rolling in at number four. Oh, yeah. uh, and that is mainly because of, of what it spawned for this group right here in Sonic Club of playing through all of the 3D Sonic games, all the bad ones and the good one and <laughs> the good one <laughs> the one good one Ouch. again yeah the games beyond generations either have good parts like a good third or half and a bad half or they're just bad in general <laughs> the first but level. the way that we played them as a group uh made them much easier to swallow but just enjoying that with a group of people and uh and just like having it be a part of my life for a good two years there of just like a constant of 
Almost every any given week, we're probably getting together and playing through the next garbage level that we got stuck on last time. <laughs> and I think that Sonic lends itself very well to to playing with a with a group of friends because they get to see you when you are dying because the level is just so brutal and stupid. And when you're done with that level, you can pass the controller to the next person so that you can just decompress for a little bit and then they can deal with the nonsense and then it comes back to you eventually. I think that is the true way to play most of these Sonic games because I don't think I would ever be able to play them by myself. But just that overall experience with you guys of, uh, of playing through all of those games is very special to me and I had to put it on. I will never on forget that one Sonic Club session where we made zero progress <laughs> because I was stuck on that stupid house. Was that the level pumpkin level? Uh-huh. Yes. With the, with the yep. disappearing For like pumpkins an that hour, would just I randomly just hammering away at that level and I just couldn't do it. If I ever <laughs> need a great laugh, I have some videos of Zach on my phone absolutely losing it. At I was genuinely frustrated. Wearing his Knuckles hat, sitting <laughs> two inches from the TV, screaming <laughs> his head off at losing at some of these levels. And yeah, Kev, uh, so we'll just keep the Sonic train going. It's my number three. Oh yeah, number three. Yeah. Uh, so it fits in right here. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, most of the time when you get together and you're playing a game with friends, you want to be the one with the controller. You're like, I can't wait for it to be my turn again. And then you're when you're watching, it's kind of like, downtime, um, okay, it's his turn, it'll be mine soon. But in Sonic Club, it's like, such a team social event, it doesn't matter who has the controller, because you are locked in no matter what's happening. And in some cases, you don't want it. You're like, I am glad that, <laughs> yeah, that Kevin is playing this 25-minute Werehog oh level right now, and not me. So yeah, it's it's great, and just... I never thought going to college that Sonic would become as as big a part of my life again as it did. Because I Sonic's been with me since I was in elementary school. I played it at friends' houses all the time. It's always been a kind of friendship activity for me playing these Sonic games. But it was just elevated to a level I could have never foreseen. I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to say the most pivotal turning point moment of our college careers was us three getting together that first night. For Sonic 06. Sonic 06. It's, yeah. Yeah. And so it's it's special. It's garbage. I mean, what other series are we going to dedicate a weekly segment to on this podcast? (laughs) With Rumor Roundup, nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Sonic's my number three. Not great games, but the best gaming memories, I would say, uh, come from Sonic. Classic. Classic moments. You can look to every single game. Yeah, you got... (laughs) You got Zach's freak out. Uh, yep. I remember doing some of those like what Rail Canyon levels oh, in, my uh, in Sonic Heroes, and Spirits it's just, Unite. just <laughs> the the sweat and just the yep. the terrifying feeling every time you went off one of those rails. It's like I could die right here. <laughs> like the game could just kill me. And I don't think. And there's so we've many talked about moments. it, but we played as every team and then fought the final boss. Like we did, mm-hmm. uh, we authenticated Sonic Heroes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It Awful. was, it was an experience. But yeah, some some of my favorite uh, favorite moments, and then the fact that we made a shirt of it, and then someone at a random what Arby's, Wendy's, or or a Wendy's mm-hmm. asked us about the shirt, thinking it was some sort of like. Are you guys here for a convention? Thing? No. Like <laughs> you think we're part of like the chess club or something? Uh-huh. The Sonic Club. Sonic Club. Great stuff. Zach, your three. 
Um, you snubbed Sonic, Zach. You did. Honorable mention Sonic. I hate most of his games, and I still put them on there. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, I... (laughs) I can't after that experience. Although I like I your had. three. <laughs> exactly. So no one should be complaining because my number three is Yakuza, a series which Kevin got me into. Um, so he should feel very proud right now. I, I have genuinely enjoyed every Yakuza game I've played, and that's saying a lot because I've played a crap ton of them. There are a lot. <laughs> there are a lot of them. And even the worst one, which I think was three, was still really enjoyable. I liked three. Um, so this is a series that has never disappointed when I've booted it up and just loved Kiryu's journey and every game has such a unique story and every game has fun, goofy side quests and always has an interesting combat system and always just pulls these surprises out that you never expect. And even the spin-offs, Judgment, um, I didn't play the Samurai one. What's it called? Uh, pl- Ishin and... Ishin... Kenzen? Kenzen? Yeah. Still, still yes. waiting on those. There was, there have always been like little rumors that float around. They give a survey <laughs> Let's out. Let's round them up. Can't ask in. Yeah. Can't. I can't speak to those because I haven't played them. But everything I've played, I have played has been is enjoyable. Oh, uh, I haven't played. The Oculus uh, is also multimedia. a multimedia franchise. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> movie. Oh, and we saw the movie. Yep. That movie was trash. Which was bad. And speaking of multimedia, they're working on a uh, possible Judgment uh, TV series. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and they're working on so, the Judgment TV very series multimedia. somehow. So. I'm excited for that. But yeah, this this series is absolutely fantastic, and they just keep pumping them out with no end insight. It's one of the few games, I think, that is able to do the yearly releases well. Like, most of the games that you look at, you're like, man, you can feel that, like, they have not had a lot of time to work on this. But for the most part, beyond the reuse of maps, which I don't think is that big of a deal because they change things up, it they feel different enough where it, where it warrants having them come out every year or so yeah Yeah. these are like long stories and they have to write these stories and make them make sense even though they're convoluted at times i I think they're they're pretty good yeah they're still fun all right my number three is uh a game that's also been kind of uh it was on ice for a while but it's coming back this year saints row let's go uh it was a, a big part of my 360 library playing Saints Row 3 for the first time. I remember uh, couldn't buy it by myself, and I knew that my parents wouldn't buy it for me because Saints Row 3 is probably one of the most crude games you can play. And so I just had my sister go and buy it for me. Nice. So that was that was great. Had someone that could buy it for me. But started with Saints Row 3, then went back and played 1 and 2. Uh, 2, I think, is still the best iteration of that series. It takes GTA and makes most of it more fun i think gta for a lot of people some people play it for the story and then you can romp around in the map but i think saints row did it best at at making the map fun to just cause mayhem in and the side quests that you could do especially in saints row 2 were always tons of fun the insurance fraud was always great sanitation department where you're just spraying poo on everything like some of this stuff in like saints rows one and two were uh were a little ridiculous, but that's why I loved it because there really wasn't a game like it. And mm-hmm. Saints Row three and four, to a lesser extent, um, haven't enjoyed them as much. But I'm very much excited for this reboot to see how they kind of bridge the gap between those first two games and the last two because that seems to be what they're doing. And I think that's what they need to do. Uh, and I think that's what'll create the best experience is taking Saints Row two 
one and two and three and four and kind of mashing it up into one. I'm very excited to see what they can do this year with the, with the new reboot of Saints Row. Yeah, it's exciting. It's coming back. Yeah, I'm very excited. I thought it was dead, honestly, because Saints Row 4 came out and it was like, what are they going to do after this with the superheroes? And then Agents of Mayhem came out and sold dreadfully. (laughs) So it was like, are they even going to be around anymore? Multimedia? So it's... Multimedia franchise? Me? I I don't think so. I don't think there's a book or a TV show yet. Agents of Mayhem, I heard, kind of felt like uh, a TV show with the animation style. But... Okay. Maybe one day. Okay. Maybe one day. Top two. My number two. It's multimedia. It's The Legend of Zelda. And I am... I I will just always return to this series as well. It's one that, that I will just need to keep up on games forever. Because there will never be a Zelda game that I won't want to play. Um, another series that's been quietly annualized since like 2011. There's been a Zelda game every year. Whether it's been a remake, a multiplayer game, a spin-off... 2d 3d whatever there's been there's something zelda every year and i think it's another one where it's it's just so fun to look forward to uh to going back to hyrule once a year and then every five years or so you get the big one where let me just tell you how deep my zelda obsession is running man i think theorize read watch videos about breath of the wild 2 literally every day it's why i started replaying the entire series it's because i am obsessing over what this game is going to be about and what it's going to be like. And it's just so fun. It's just really fun to be a Zelda fan and just see how they do this world. Some things stay the same. A lot of things change. Uh, I think that the series doesn't get enough credit for how different each entry is because on the surface, a lot of them are the same, but their stories are wildly different. The gameplay mechanics from the wolf to the boat to the masks in Majora's Mask, it's just is always changing and always evolving. A series that has redefined action-adventure games, like you could argue four times throughout its history, from the original being groundbreaking, to Link to the Past, to Ocarina of Time in 3D, and now to Breath of the Wild for redefining a lot of open-world elements. Like, it's will always push the medium forward. Once it starts to get stale, it realizes it and shakes things up. And I just love the series so much, and... I can't wait to play all 19 games this year and hopefully Breath of the Wild too. It's a lot of games. It is. It comes out this year. I hope so. I, I cannot wait. Zach, two? Uh, there was a Saints Row movie announced uh, to be in pre-production in April 2019. So whether or not that's going <laughs> to so happen, go. I don't know. But... Uh, <laughs> I do vaguely okay. remember something about that. Gonna count. Yeah, I, I, I did think too, they need to focus on getting up. the game out and getting that yeah. game good, yeah. and then we can talk about a TV show or a movie or All whatever. Right. I number two, which was one of Logan's honorable mentions, is the Last of Us franchise, which has had two masterpieces, I would say. Um, the Last of Us Part 1 and The Last of Us Part 2. We've talked extensively about how good these games are. We even had a spoiler cast about The Last of Us Part Two after it came out and how much we loved it and gave an in-depth talk. So if you haven't listened to that, go listen to it. But these games are both fantastic. There is a TV show coming out, multimedia, <laughs> multimedia. franchise. <laughs> so, so it counts. It's a big deal. Everything's multimedia yes. uh-huh. these days. Everything has to be these days. They just won't stop. They got money to make, mm-hmm. which is the most important thing. But yeah, Ole and Ellie's journey um, through the first game and then where they pick up from it in the second game it's just it's just so good and i've played the last of us part one many times and i only played the last of us part two once 
and I've I've wanted to go back ever since, but I haven't found the right time. And now that I have a PS5, I think I'm gonna wait for the PS5 upgrade, like I did for Uncharted. So hopefully, I don't know if there's ever gonna be more. Um, might want to capitalize like on the TV. They're show. more open to it than than them making another Uncharted. So mm-hmm. yes, and, which makes sense. I'd be fine either I'd way. Part three, I exactly. trust it'll That's be good. That's how I felt after the first one. Yeah. I didn't think I needed the second one, and the second one came out, and it was really good, so who knows? Maybe the third one will hit hard as well. Uh, only time will tell. But yeah, that's my number two. All right, my number two, Mario, specifically 3D Mario. Uh, we were talking before the show, Logan was like, oh, you could put you know, just Super Mario on there, but beyond uh, New Super Mario Brothers on the DS that I played a lot, I really didn't play very much of the 2D games. It's really been the 3D games for me, but... I have memories with every single uh, 3D Mario game playing Super Mario 64 at my friend's house on his N64 and doing like some of the glitches glitching up the stairs was always super fun. We never actually played the game. It was just like, let's glitch up the stairs and go fight Bowser as soon as we can. Uh, And getting that on the virtual console on the Wii later played a bunch of Super Mario Sunshine as a kid. That game made me rage (laughs) and it's not that great of a game. It's got its charm, and I think that it cleans up graphically very well on the Switch, but it's got its issues. But I have a, a soft spot for it because I played it a lot as a kid. Both the Galaxy games are fantastic, and I think that revisiting Galaxy on Switch made me realize how much I liked that game. Like, I played it on the Wii, yeah. like, once, and then came back every once in a while for a couple of levels, but going through it and 100%ing it was like, man, this game is good. And besides a couple of the weird motion control sections, like basically every single star was fun. And that's not something you can say about every single Mario game. No. Some of those can get real brutal. And then Galaxy 2 as well. Haven't gone back to that one since it didn't come out in the collection, but I remember enjoying it a lot. Playing through um, Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury was a ton of fun. And then, of course, Super Mario Odyssey is one of my favorite games of all time. Every single time a new 3D Mario game comes out, it's a big deal. And I enjoy every single one of them. Sunshine is the weakest link, but I still have good memories with that. And I am very hopeful that there's going to be an Odyssey 2 or something in the vein of that. Because I think there's a lot of untapped potential for whatever comes next for uh, 3D Mario. I hope it incorporates a lot of those ideas from Odyssey because it was so good. And I think they could do more with it. I agree, man. Because I like Galaxy 2 more than Galaxy 1. Because I think the ideas are just even more bonkers and fun. So an Odyssey 2 could be so, so good. Or just a new game. It's been five years. It's been a while. We don't know anything. But I have a feeling we'll probably figure out something soon within the next year. Yep. I feel like whatever comes next, they're going to have to announce it sometime soon. Yeah. All right, number one. Let's do it. Logan, you're number one. It's Ace Attorney. Duh. (laughs) All right, moving on, Zach. (laughs) Uh, You know. You know me. My favorite stories, not just in games, in anything, is Ace Attorney. And, yeah, my love was just reinvigorated last year, as you guys know, with great Ace Attorney. And I just, these characters and stories just live in my head like an encyclopedia. Zach tells me where he's at. I'm like, yep, I know exactly where you're at, what, what's happening, what evidence is going on. It's like, it's just, it's just such a brilliantly written series uh, that... Deserves more credit than it gets. Because anime is so huge here now. It wasn't when Ace Attorney was first coming out. And now it is. And if you like anime storytelling and anime tropes, some of the best versions of it are in those games. Like They should be more popular. It's multimedia. It's got an anime. It's got manga. 
So multimedia franchise it's got a live action movie. It does. And a it's musical. Got like a theater play. It's got a musical yeah. in, in Japan, which I've not seen. But the movie's actually pretty good. But it's obviously Ace Attorney. Been playing it for 17 years and it's clinging on to life. I, I hope it continues <laughs> to stay alive because it's kind of unclear. Yeah, it's, games. It's and rapidly becoming uh, one of my favorites. Because I want to play them and I don't want to play uh, them on 3DS. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Zach, I'm, you're I, number one. I feel like all of our number ones are pretty obvious. Yeah, rip yeah. through. Yep, my number one, Uncharted. Uh, it's going to be multimedia very soon. Uh, actually, I've got the book back there. Oh, there's also, a there's a motion oh, yeah. comic, a novel. The Eye of Indra. Um, so it has been a multimedia franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you very much. I'm not aware of that. I forgot what the book is called. Oh, I don't know. Fourth, fourth Labyrinth. Novel. The Fourth, fourth Labyrinth. Yeah. Labyrinth. Uh, yeah, I, I bought it like a decade ago, read through part of it. It was bad. Did not finish it. <laughs> nice. I've not touched it since, but I still own it. Um, so that's cool. Yeah, of course, it's Uncharted. My favorite game of all time is Uncharted 4, and Uncharted's 1 through 3, also great. Uh, my PS3, when I bought it, came with Uncharted 2 um, back in 2011, um, and it's just been fantastic ever since. It's It's been my favorite franchise ever ever since, probably. So, yeah, like, like I've said, talked about it to death, so I won't talk about it much more, but absolutely love this franchise to death. Do I need to read the book before watching the movie, or am I going to be lost? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the book takes place after the movie. Maybe I should oh, try. Oh, okay, so I'll have to read the book right afterwards. Uh-huh. I remember very little about it. What could Something Kevin's number that. one be? I don't know. Mm. It's Yakuza no, because Stardew Valley isn't a series yet. I don't really want it to be a franchise, a chocolate or anything like that. Uh, yeah, Yakuza multimedia, that awful movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, really bad. Maybe the Judgment TV series will be a lot better. Um, yeah, very similar thoughts to Zach on it. Just the their ability to keep quality high despite the fact that they're releasing one every single year uh still astounds me uh that basically they take similar maps and infuse a couple of new maps every once in a while but craft entirely new stories and entirely new uh, side stories and missions and entirely new mini games and they're always so much fun i've said it so many times before that there's not a game like yakuza that has such a strength in its side content. I feel like, especially games nowadays, the side con- content is just checking stuff off a list, getting collectibles, or doing some like inane fetch quest for somebody. But even the fetch quests in Yakuza are more fun because the characters are so wacky and ridiculous. And you're, you know, it's like the fetch quest, like, oh, I got to deliver pizza or something, just like random crap that is always so much fun. Um, and I look forward to every single entry and I'm never worried about the quality. And I'm very curious now that, there's new uh, new head people at the studio. What the what the future of the series is going to be, but I still have all the confidence in them that the new games that are going to be coming out after Nagoshi left will still be fantastic. Nice, we made it. Woo! We made it. That was a long one. Any final thoughts before we wrap up, Zach uh, Logan? You have a prediction for next week, which is why we're doing the O2 this week. Yeah, Nintendo Direct next week. I'm calling it. We're calling that we'll have to delay our show a day to record it because mm, we'll okay. get a direct on Thursday. Thursday next news. week. Uh, I don't know. I feel like Breath of the Wild's an E3 thing. But Splatoon 3, I'm going to guess we'll get a release window. Uh, we'll see one more trailer for Kirby. A couple other surprises. New Fire Emblem, probably. Mm. Um, so I think it'll be a, a solid direct. There's always one in February, pretty much. And next week's the time. Based on nothing. All right. Just my gut. 
<laughs> based on gut feeling. So that's and I hope Zelda's there. I'll lose my mind if it is. We'll address that next week and uh, see if it actually happened. If it did, if any yep. of those things showed up. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see. Zach, any final thoughts from you before we wrap up? What's your prediction? Uh, <laughs> I predict that there's going to be no Nintendo Direct next no. week. All right. <laughs> Let's Another see which one comes right true. Let's go. <laughs> Hope for Logan's. Uh, Me too. I predict that uh, Gran Turismo 7 will get shown off the Nintendo Ooh. Direct. Oh, wow. It's be really Ooh. good. 30 minutes of just Gran Turismo 7. Average. Because that came out on PS4. <laughs> is that Gran Turismo 7? Is it this one 7? Yeah, this is 7. Okay, this is 7. Yeah. Sport that came out on Sport. PS4. Yeah, uh-huh. Right. Okay. I, I'm oh, but seven's also Anyways. coming out on PS4. Oh, it is on PS4. Yeah. Let's go. And Switch next week. <laughs> Cloud version, yes. Cloud version, yeah. <laughs> All right, that is going to do it for us in this week's episode of Ode Games. We're here on Thursdays or Fridays, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Odegames.com has the audio version. YouTube has the video version at Ode Games. You can find us on Twitter at Ode Games as well. You can send an email to odegamescast at gmail.com. For Logan and Zach, I'm Kevin. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week.